Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Loose Ends. I want to start today's topic with a quote from 1859, believe it or not. You've probably heard it. It's been attributed to many people, and um, the researchers say that it was a pastor, a young pastor back in the UK who penned a sermon that's still being quoted. What does your anxiety do? He asked his parishioners. It does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. I've found that to be very true in my own life. When I worry, I feel weaker. So we're talking about worry and its willful child, anxiety. And I don't know anyone who likes to worry. Do you, Val? Not, you know, not a soul. I, I mean, I wake up every morning going, gosh, I hope I have something to worry about today. Woohoo! Uh, nor do I know anyone who likes to hang out with chronic worriers. And we all have them in our lives, you know, family members, friends. Yeah. Somebody who is there going, neat, 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 about something they can't do anything about. Yeah. And certainly right now in the world, there is shit happening about which we have... No control. Over which we have yeah. no control That's whatsoever, right. right? And we can choose to worry about it or we can choose to become proactive. So here's, I kind of thought I'd start us off this way. In my experience, and according to, you know, other people, experts in the crowd, they tell us that we worry for one of three reasons, basically. You know, I'm making massive generalizations here. Number one, we worry because we were probably raised by somebody who worried. And so we learned by watching and we learned through their example that worrying is the way we show, we model our love. I had a mother-in-law who called. Now, this was the second one, so I had learned a little bit. And <laughs> you I hope. Said, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I got along with her very well. One night she called, and it was in Toronto. It had been a big snowstorm the night before, and we were driving somewhere, and she called up the next morning, Oh, you're home. Yes, I picked up the phone. This was pre-cell phone days. And then she said, oh, I'm so glad I was up all night worried. I said, why? She goes, because of the snowstorm. And I kept picturing you out on the, on the 401 and slip sliding and maybe an accident. And, and I said, wow, and you were up all night doing that. And she goes, yes. And I said, well, I hope you had fun. <laughs> I'm sure she and loved she, hearing well, that. Yeah, no, well, it was early in the relationship. And I said, I said because if you're going to stay up all night doing something, I hope it's something you enjoy. Yeah. That made her at least curious yeah. enough to ask me some more questions, and she ultimately ended up taking a course with me. Can you believe it? That I, can. I can. So that was number one, the reason of you know demonstrating love. Okay, number two, you get to fool yourself because you're expending so much energy in your brain. You know, the hamster wheel of worry. Yeah. You're expending so much energy that you actually are fooling yourself into thinking that you're actively, proactively I I addressing the situation. My mother was a full-time worrier. Full-time. Full no, it was a job for her, right? And she <laughs> took it very seriously, right? Was... Like, And I think she fit all three categories. Like, all three categories. The thing is, as I watched it, like, especially my mom from 50 to 80, those 30 years... 
I watched what it did to her body. Oh, good point. Good point. And and it 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 very much made me back up and go. Mm. I'm not going to expend all this energy on things that I can't control. If I can control it and I can change it, then I'll look at it. But if I can't, I'm not going to look at it. Or I'm just going to not choose to right. put my, my energy in that direction. Exactly. Whatever, wherever we turn our attention, that's where our focus goes. That's our right. focus leads our energy. Energy so flows where, where thoughts go. Right? Whatever. Yeah. Um, somebody said something. And the third way, the third reason why people worry uh, after the idea of fooling myself into thinking that it's actually doing something I'm being proactive and I'm demonstrating the love I have for whatever the situation of the person is about which I am worried worry is just simpler than actually doing something actually addressing it which usually is something uncomfortable and that's why you're worried you're worried because it invites a conversation, potentially. Usually. Yeah, with a loved one that yep. you don't want to have. Yeah, that, right? that gives you the butterflies, that gives right? gives you the butterflies you know? because it could all go so wrong. So South, I'll easy. Just, I'll just sit here and worry about it, and I'll make plans in my head yeah. of what what will happen, what I'll do, without actually ever doing anything. Exactly. Yeah, so so, so it does. It's, it, it's like this pretend thing that's up there going, yeah, yeah, no, you're doing the work. You're doing the work, yeah. and you're up there. You're just worrying away, and worrying away. I can remember like there, and like so many different nights that my mom, I would come home, you know, from night at the bar, you know, being twenty or nineteen, and there's my mom sitting at the table with a cup of coffee at waiting two in the up, morning, waiting up for you. not necessarily waiting up for me, but just worrying about something, whether it's her finances oh, or okay. uh, like okay. one time I came home and uh, she says something wrong with your brother. I don't know how to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, but there's something wrong with him. And and sure enough, he uh, climbed up above some on somebody's balcony and he fell off and broke his arm. And she felt it. She worried so much. She oh. connected herself well, to now, careful. us. careful. We don't want to give the audience the idea that if you worry enough, you'll get really good at it. You know, <laughs> well, but that's up. the thing. That's what I think my mom did. I think she worried so much that it became a job. That it was it well, was it was a job for yeah, her, yeah, no, I and saying. and you know like but even like the little things when she had bad rheumatoid arthritis at the end, so you know I was I was giving her some pot right, and I was making her edibles to make her pain manageable sure, right, sure. and um, she would you know she'd smoke a little THC and she'd be like. The world is so much different like this. <laughs> and I would be like, those, uh, yeah, mom, it really is. For those of you who are potentially listening to us from some other place and you don't know where we are, we are in Canada. Where it is land legal. Land of the legal. <laughs> so good on them. You bring up an interesting point about it's a full-time job. There is an, there's a marvelous book called The Molecules of Emotion by Candice Pert. In it, she posits that we actually become addicted on a sensory level, a, a feeling level. This is a cellular thing. You'll need to read the book, and I'm not going to go into great detail about it because it's kind of a lot. And we can go there, you know, enough listeners say, hey, yeah, go there. She posits that we become addicted to certain types of feelings. Now, in my own life, and as a result of having read this book, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, and actively pursuing the information that it dispenses, 
I tend to agree with her that we get addicted to a certain type of feeling. So in my case, it was resentment. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know for a fact there are people in my life who are absolutely addicted to either shame or guilt, motivated by guilt. Everything comes through a lens of, oh, something else for me to feel bad about, to make up for. That's one example of you know ways we filter information through and we can do a show on filter. absolutely so, uh, you know because for me it was um i i it's not resentment it's not good enough that's mm. what my life you know mm. obstacle has been is you're not good enough or you you have to be better and um you know i think that's the common universal uh, yes and i've done some thinking about this too this i'm not good enough fill in the blank. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough right. mother. I'm not a good enough daughter. I'm not a good enough uh, professional. I'm not. A, and do you know how many people at the C-suite level, it depends on the organization, and so many people have imposter syndrome. I think that when we worry all the time, we're not focusing on all the really good things that we could do. Right. Not just the good things we could do, but the good things that we can say to ourselves. And that's what I focused on is I started saying good things to myself. Like, you know, we joked about my mirror work, right? Right? You can't just keep going to the mirror and going, I love you. Because the, the, the reality is that when you fuck up really bad, you don't want to go to that mirror. That's the last place you want to go. But you have to. Yeah. You have to go straight to that mirror and go, oh, you fucked up. You fucked up, and, and I love you anyway. So instead of worrying about it or feeling anxious or any of that, so a lot of this has to do with the choice of our thoughts. The choice, which means consciously noticing, I feel like I, I, I'm anxious right now, or fill in the, it could be uh, I feel angry right now, I feel resentful right now, I feel guilty right now. It, the first step is noticing it, number one. Mm -hmm. The second step is making a choice to choose consciously a thought that will counteract that feeling. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. person just uh, dismissed me. I, for, I'll give one of my triggers. If I'm in sitting with someone, because I don't go to worry and anxiety. I go to action and, you know, I, I, I strap on armor and a sword and yeah. people get the fuck out of my way. Yeah, it's true. Way. It's because true. Because I will hurt them. So what was I saying? <laughs> this is what happens. What you don't go to worry and anxiety. Where do you go? I'll give you an example. If I'm sitting with someone who is uh, usually male, although it doesn't really matter, but it's usually males who do it, in positions of perceived authority, and I'm presenting some sort of piece of information or whatever, interacting with them, and they raise, it's usually the right hand, and they raise their right hand and do a little wave, a backhanded wave, as though you're dismissing someone from your table. The waiter has taken your order. Can you get me anything else? No. Dismissed, right? You know that little hand yep. wave. I see that. And everything in my body goes, oh, no, you won't dismiss me, right? So I'm triggered. My next thought must be, that might have nothing to do with me. Right. It is not a personal reflection, right? Okay, right. so it's one way to stop the thinking. So it's about a conscious reaching for a different thought. So now, in terms of anxiety, the one thing that we didn't actually go into is 
I'm talking from an adult perspective. Someone who's turning into our podcast is looking for some sort of additional information and enjoying themselves, hopefully, while they're doing so. That doesn't apply to children. No, it doesn't. So a lot of children in today's world are so anxious and we are over-medicating. And I'm not saying that if your child, dear listener, is, you know, being medicated for, for uh, in some way, anti-anxiety medication, um, antidepressants, that it's a negative thing. It's just that it seems to me that it is so much more prevalent today than it used to be. Now, one could argue that we have more to worry about. I think we've also um, upped our game as far as mental illness and naming different mental illnesses in the last 30 years. We didn't have that before. We didn't have the, you know, the luxury of going, oh, that's bipolar. Oh, that's schizophrenia. Sure. Oh, that's this. Oh, this and this. Right. We didn't have that well, because it was. Well, I mean, we did have some of it, but not not the amount we have today. It wasn't as readily identifiable. I right. mean, alcoholism, alcoholism as a disease wasn't really embraced by the culture of at least the United right. States until I think it was 1968, thereabouts, somewhere in the 60s, when, um, oh, who was the actor on? Da, 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 um, the Rob, oh, shoot, I've forgotten his name. He played, he was in, he was in, oh, for heaven's sakes, he was in Shim Shimini, Shim Shimini, Shim Shim. Dick Van Dyke? Yes, him. Okay. Yes, Dick Van Dyke. So alcoholism wasn't even out of the closet until uh, Dick Van Dyke declared himself an alcoholic. I mean, we knew that, you know, Uncle George drank too much. If only he didn't have that third drink, you know, da, da, da. and AA was in existence, but didn't have a name. This is the power of naming things, putting a name to yeah. it, but it can also be a detriment, right? Yes. Yeah, you get labeled a fuck-up at 15. That shit can drag with you through your life. And mm -hmm. it, it, right, okay, so anyway, back to the kids. What is the best way, then, to help your child be less anxious? I'm going to propose that one of the most, you know, there might be some neurological or chemical uh, influences, I grant you that, and I believe, from a parental standpoint, from a teacher standpoint, the most important thing to offset anxiety is to up you've used this term, up the game on your unconditional love. Schedule them less. Quality time is worth more than, Well, you know. it's not even quality time. It's about don't try to squeeze so much into your fucking lives. Stop. Your kids are picking up on your anxiety of trying to produce the perfect fucking kid who knows he's not perfect and will you love me anyway? Right. Will you love me anyway if I'm not fucking perfect? Now, I've had the luxury of, oh God, she's up on a soapbox on a rant, but I've had the luxury of having Ma and Pa come through classes or do counseling with me or whatever. And then 20 years later now, I've got their kids. That's right. And I get to hear what it was like. Yeah, back when I was 10, this is what I had to go through. So I have actually absorbed a lot that says if we would worry less about our fucking kids as a way to try and show them how much we love them, maybe we'd have a generation that was less anxious. Now, that's just my point of view, and I've kicked the soapbox away. You have just been witness to, privy to, not witness, but you've unfortunately been... The recipients of a C.C. Barlow rant, it happens. All right, I want to go to something else, Val. What about hope? 
I think there's a, a tie-in here between hope and worry. That the more you worry about something, it's really uh, sometimes. The hope. Don't you think though that hope is can be a little dangerous? I do. That's why I'm bringing it up. What do you want to say about? Well, that? Well, I just I, I just think there there have been times in my life that I've hoped and I've hoped and I've hoped and nothing came through. And it wasn't until later that I might have seen. Oh, it's really good that that prayer was unanswered. Because this wouldn't have happened if that had have happened. There are times when you, a person can feel so, you know, destitute and alone and uh, and hope is a little dangerous for them. Almost right. It's like they have to they have to get through the garbage a little bit before, you know, that hope can grow because the hope is so small compared to their garbage. And the and probably is dangerous, according to you, because if they even allow themselves to hope a little bit, then the ultimate disappointment, if it doesn't come through again. Right. Like yeah. people who start on the journey of manifesting. Right. Everybody the secret. Right. Like everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to read this book and I'm just going to manifest. And Doesn't then a lot way. of people don't and they get discouraged. They're like, ah, that shit doesn't work. It actually does. But nobody tells you that you have to sift through the garbage first. And to let go of the feelings yeah. of hope, because in the feeling of hope, if you, for example, you have a really shitty car. Your car is about to break down. You know this. You need your car for work. You think, oh, I'm going to manifest it. I'm going to do the one, two, threes of the secret, which is just pablum. I'm sorry. It's Absolutely. It's just pablum for those who don't want to really understand the science behind That's it. That's right. Okay, so this is the pablum that they suck up and think that this is what's going to you know, bring them everything they want. So I need this new car. So, uh, oh, please, please. Well, in that very energy of pleading, you've already undermined the possibility that you will get what you want because the universe is going oh please please oh that means it's something you scared you won't get i love you so much i'm going to give you what you value most and in this case based on results you value your fear most right like that's so the whole going, thing yeah. the universe is always going to match whatever feeling you have there if you're you if you've got this hopeful feeling that you're going to win the lottery and all your you know all your troubles are going to be uh, gone tomorrow and then it doesn't happen you're left with this sinking disappointing feeling and you're and then you go back to the i'm not good enough i can't manifest very well yeah. and it and, must be my well, right. what, it is, it, what I tell people is the feeling you want to send out when you, in this example, the car, okay? Right. The feeling you want to send out is the same sense of, well, for most of us here in North America, I hope it's true. It's certainly not true for everyone around the world. On Christmas Eve, go back to being a seven-year-old kid and you go to bed on Christmas Eve. Now, in most households, many, Many of the presents are already under the tree, you know, when you go to bed. But you know Santa hasn't been there. And you know he's going to bring you something. You don't know what it is yet. But you're seven years old, man. How do you feel when you go to bed that night? Right. You can barely sleep. You're so excited. And then the next morning it's like, yee look, there's more presents under the tree. And Santa, that is the feeling uh, that manifests. 
And remember that satisfaction you felt on Christmas Day when you played with that all day and how good you felt. Like, those are the feelings that are going to bring manifestation to you. The universe will match whatever feeling you had. I just had a client yesterday who bought a vacuum, you know, and she's... uh, A vacuum or... Like a a robot vacuum, the ones that go on the floor. Got it on sale. And uh, she said it was such a gift from the universe. And I said, did you thank the universe? And she goes... No. And I go, yeah, you might want to do that because the more you think, the more the universe is going to match that feeling of how thankful you feel. Well, so one of the antidotes then, in my opinion, is this notion of the feel-good feelings. And there are those who say that your only job as a human being, although I don't think anybody takes this advice, is to pursue feeling good when it's not at the expense of someone else. We're not talking hedonism here. We are talking about, well, I really enjoy painting and I I just don't have time for painting. Bullshit. You don't make time for painting. Make some time for painting. Get in there and paint. Right. And let that feeling of joy. Oh, well, what was it the other day I was doing something? Oh, I think I was, uh, I think I was editing the podcast before I sent it off to total post-production, right? And, and I said, I looked at my watch. Two hours. Gone. Two hours. I yep. thought I'd been at it for 20 minutes. Right. So that's an indicator when of When you get flow. lost in good feelings, you lose track of time very easily. I think we've done that because I have no idea how long we've been at it today. I do have one final. Well, maybe it's not final. I do have one question I'd like to ask you and then see what your answers are before I give you mine. Okay. (laughs) So what's the difference then between worrying and concern? Concern is, okay, I'm concerned about this situation, but I don't necessarily know if I can control it. Whereas worry is just, I'm just going to control it through worry. I'm going to try to control it. I'm going to try to control it through worry. And then concern is more... um, well, I'm concerned about this. I might not have all the facts yet, and I might not have all the information to make a, hmm. you okay. know. Interesting distinction. I'll give you my Concern speaks up once. Worry nags. Yeah. Concern, and I've done this. I'm not going to use the example because it's someone I love dearly. Um, I will say what I said. I have a concern. I put my hand on their knee. Be careful of your appetites. They can consume you. This particular individual was showing indications becoming too involved in a world of gambling. Mm. Years later, he told me that made a difference. You know, take a look at the reasons why you worry when you worry. Some of it is perfectly justified. We have a new war going on, for God's sakes, over in the Middle East. I mean, it's affecting, I had a, a, I had a, a conversation with a client today, and uh, she happens to be Jewish. Yeah, it's causing great concern, and uh, it is worrisome. Our choice to jump down the well of worry and stay at the bottom of it, flailing about, yeah. is the difference between those who say, okay, it's by choosing not to worry about it. I am not condoning what occurred. Right. Right? Okay. I don't condone any of the behaviors being exhibited by either side right no, now. No, that's right. And 
I have friends on both sides. I have a, a dear friend who's Palestinian, and um, they're all worried about this because there's no control. So my input has been find the feel-good feeling. What can you be grateful for? I think that we have to realize that there is a connection between worrying and the body and that it really affects us on a cellular level. It can affect your digestive system. It can affect, you know, your mobility. It can affect the pain that you feel in your body. Yes. Uh, I, I think it's... It's important to recognize that not only eating correctly helps your body, but thinking in a different way, in a more positive way, helps your body. Absolutely. And and taking out concern and worry is is going to make you live longer and happier and a better quality of life. I agree. And is it possible to get through life without any concerns or worries? Of course not. We're not suggesting that. What we're trying to do is give you a little bit of a, a way to combat it because if you – it's kind of like um, – well, it's some law of physics, isn't it? Uh, body emotion tends to stay in motion That's until right. acted upon by an equal or opposite mm -hmm. force. I forget which one that is. But yep. And so if you start down that path, it's like a screw. You start going, and so you end up in a lower place. So you want to stay as much up. Well, we certainly have um, covered a lot of unrelated topics. Haven't it's we, a, though, today? It's a real melange. Yes, yes. Big, what's a melange? Yes, I'm looking at you going, what the fuck? She's nodding, folks, and going, oh, yes, it is. What? <laughs> what? What? Yeah, well, it just took oh. me a second to get confused there, where I was like, what did she say? Yeah, what is it? Melange is a uh, seemingly unrelated um, topics, and yet they flowed one to the other. So it was a melange of topics today, and that's the way our conversations go. You never know where it's going to end up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate your time and the fact that you chose to share some of it, especially today when I went off on rants. I was, I'm in one of those moods where I know exactly who I am, where I'm going, and anybody that isn't getting on the train needs to get the fuck off the tracks. You know. Like, well, and you know what, folks? Here's the way to get on the train. Let's what? just all pretend we're seven-year-olds on Christmas Eve. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because really, the, those are the feelings that I want. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and be alerted of upcoming episodes. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram. And again, we've had a wonderful time. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Bye-bye. I'm feeling myself.